Good morning, and welcome back to the Clerixway Ringmail podcast. A few weeks ago, I was fortunate enough to be able to participate in the Biggest Geekest 50th episode special. During that special, they announced a winner for their drawing and entry, and by pure serendipity, I happened to win in a very suspicious manner. That said, Randy sent the box he promised, the Labyrinth Lord Advanced Companion, and a special mystery prize. So today, I've got an unboxing for you. What is that mystery prize from deep in the heart of Michigan? open the box? Yeah! What's in the box? Let's find out. Okay, Dada will get his letter opener. It doesn't make so much. Uh, oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Dada's gonna... Make so much. Let's open the letter. Let's open the box. Dada, Dada, make oh, careful, so much. careful. Swords are sharp. Can you say one D? in advance. Randy did not send us Cheetos. Let's see. What, let's see what else is in the box. <laughs> the Cheetos are helpful to prevent children from destroying other things. Okay, find some paper. What, what else? Can you find more things in the box? Unboxing. Unboxing, that's right. Got some Cheetos. Yeah, you got some Cheetos. Oh, and here is a, we got a letter. What's this? It's a magazine? Oh, my. it's a soft cover book. Yes. Do you know what these books are? And some mail. We got it. So, we have, uh, oh, and some, some paper. Thank you, baby. All right. And we will have to go over these items later. Okay. A big one. Let's clean up. So I am going to be honest, it's going to take me a while to go through. Oh, there's a frog in your hand? Thank you, I will get the frog. Ribbit, I got him. He can sit on my book. Thank you. Where was I? It's going to be a while before I can really go through these books and give them a once over. But what I can do in the meantime is move on to some call-ins I got and I can read the letter that uh, Randy sent me in the box. Randy writes, Taylor, I hope you enjoyed this. I also want to thank you for joining us on Biggest Geekest 50th episode. I know you are an old school aficionado, but I wanted to include this new school product 
I hope you or someone you know can find some use out of this fate-accelerated book. Take care. Randy at Pigus Geekus. So, there you have it. Randy is trying to poison me. Oh, a cockroach? Thank you. I will put him on my book. Yeah. So, Randy is trying to poison my library, but that's okay. I'm using the book to hold an imaginary frog and an imaginary cockroach. With that in mind, we'll move on to some call-ins. Note, this does not constitute the sum of the call-ins I got. If I don't get to you, that's not because I haven't listened, but because I got a couple really good... Oh, please don't put it on the card! Don't poke the car with the stick. Can you poke the leaves with the stick? No. Oh, he said no, but at least he's not poking the car. So, anyway... If I don't get to your call-in, it's not because I didn't listen, but because I got a couple good, thought-provoking call-ins that I've got something special in mind for. Without further ado, take it away, callers. We're off to a good start here. I think I'll be calling you a couple times during this episode. So, I'm at the very beginning of your, your latest show, my friend. Sesame Street. Yep, I grew up watching Sesame Street. Of course, you, you know, e- even though I'm a Hoosier, one year old, moved to Delaware, then up to Pennsylvania, but, you know, not too far out of Philly. So, anyway, Sesame Street was big where I was at. Of course, after Sesame Street, we had the electric company with Spider Man. Um, Sesame Street, so what were my favorite things on Sesame Street? Really liked Oscar the Grouch. Um, hmm. Bert and Ernie and the Count of course so those are one one thing I like about Sesame Street two, two thing, one, two things I like about Sesame Street three, three things I like about Sesame Street uh, uh, uh. humorously they might actually be the same episodes the newer seasons of Sesame Street focus a lot on getting kids up and moving to get up and do and play My twins, they do not need any encouragement to get up, to do, to play, to climb, to run, to open the front door, run out into the street, to break the DVD player. Uh. So my wife found a DVD set of the first handful of seasons from the 1960s and 1970s. You know, the episodes where Kermit the Frog still made appearances back before Rainbow Connection put him in the big leagues, got him into the talkies. In terms of favorite Muppet, the boys tend to like Cookie Monster, originally puppeteered in the seasons we're watching, at least, by a little unknown uh, Frank Oz. Uh, He he did some pretty good things with uh, Henson, and uh, then he went on to some really minor roles, you know, like Yoda. But anyway, I have a cookie monster shirt that i really like Uh, it's probably 15 years old now but uh the boys have me wear it whenever they see it okay i agree with you on the system mastery part there's definitely a difference we recently started a pathfinder 2 game that i'm playing in and because you know sometimes fun to play in a video game so playing pathfinder 2 on fantasy grounds is you know the same thing as playing you know diablo or Baldur's gate or any of the video games right so anyhow I, we recently started this Pathfinder 2 game, and yeah, you, I've got to kind of figure the career progression out for Go- Goblin De La Hood, 
my goblin archer. I, I've got to, you know, plan his career out all the way up because you have to strategically pick the feats and pick every, all the bonuses. And so it's, yeah, it's a totally different mini game in the game. It's not a mini game I particularly enjoy, but it, it is what it is. It's part of the game. And, and it's like I say, it's nice to play a video game every now and then. So I'm okay doing that. But I agree with you. I kind of like the older games where that's not, that's not part of the game. I love that the two video game examples you provide are both from the mid-1990s. If Anchor statistics are to be believed, those two games are actually older than probably a, a fifth of my audience. That said, you have phenomenal taste. Both of those games are in my uh, GOG library, and one of them is currently installed on my machine. I think you're, you're spot on there. It's a relatively new phenomenon. Well, I say relative to, you know, the beginning of DMD, but it's predicated and based off of a consistent business model. Not sure if the designers like the build game or not themselves, but when introducing the build game, it opens up the market for books to the players. You think about it, if I own the player's handbook, I can do okay, but if I own the player's handbook and the complete fighter and the so-and-so's book of exalted fighting, then I can make a really good character. The point is, when I first started playing the game, I didn't actually touch a book for the first few years. I didn't need it. I was, I was just a player. I told the ref what I wanted to do, and they adjudicated. Then come, uh, come 3E, mm, suddenly everybody needed the core set and as many splat books as they wanted to go down into their archetype. So it's a good business decision. Uh, as evidenced by the other side of my 3E experience, I always, when I was running it, ran core. No, no supplements, no completes, no nothing, just core. And while Joe did mention in a call-in from the last episode, or a couple episodes, I don't know when this is coming out, but what Joe did mention, that his gang talks about the adventure more than they talk about the build, which is, uh, which is pretty awesome. I like, I like that approach to the game as well. I like thinking about what is my character doing, not how am I putting my character together. But I do think, uh, knowing that, there's a conscious decision on the part of a lot of newer games publishers that is designed to encourage that mindset. So, anyway, that's the, uh, that's the soapbox I was standing on, and I'll step down. The following portion of this podcast contains some sparring between Jason and Carl. Keep in mind that this is all in fun. They are still friends, and though I believe there was a little bit of misunderstanding and feelings hurt, they did make up, and again, it's all in fun. So, with that said, uh, back to the calls and my asinine responses. Hey Taylor, Jason here. So in Cyberpunk 2020, in the Cyberpunk world, the electric vehicles didn't really happen because they came up with an alternative. But it is an alternative history. You, you know, the history diverges from our history, which is why Carl's complaint about it being 2020 is kind of silly. But the good thing is, now I have a reason not to play in any game that occurs before 2021 that Carl runs. So, Carl, I just can't play any of your fantasy games or medieval games or 
Renaissance-based games. Anything that happens before 2021 just breaks my verisimilitude. So there you go. Works for me. You know what else breaks my verisimilitude? Magic. I got into this game because at my friendly church book burning, I was told that getting into this game meant that the devil would teach me how to fly or summon succubuses. Picked up the DMG. Just charts. Ugh. Charts and advice. What's up with that? So talking about Sam Raimi doing a little better when he's reined in. Another director that does a little better reined in, I think, is James Gunn. Uh, I, I don't mind his solo or, you know, his independent films, but I know a lot of people prefer James Gunn's studio films to his independent films. So they'll prefer Guardians of the Galaxy or Suicide Squad to Super or Slither, for example. I had seen Guardians of the Galaxy, but Slither, that's a, I love Slither. It's got my second favorite actor in it, Nathan Fillion, Fillion, Fillion. Captain Mal. Yeah, I did not realize that was the same director. Very interesting information to have and very curious uh, to compare those two films just to, to, to see what he's doing. So, good information. Thank you for calling it in. I would brace yourself for a number of calls from Carl about Iron Kingdoms. He also loves that system. In fact, he's currently running a game, I believe, using Savage Worlds. I could be wrong on that what system is he using, but, but Carl loves Iron Kingdoms as well, so expect calls on that. It's funny you should say that. Hey Taylor, it's the Witchfire Trilogy. I heard you talking about Iron Kingdoms Classic 3.0 Trilogy. I know a friend of mine, I played it before, I know a friend of mine has played it a couple times, and uh, when we said we are going to play Iron Kingdoms, the 5e version, they did a Kickstarter last year, and I mentioned Witchfire. He said, I don't want to play that again, but it was actually an adventure called The Legacy of the Witchfire, and it had a, uh, an appearance by the, the woman who wielded the sword in the first one. Um, it was a pretty good adventure. I mean, it did kind of have an annoying stealing a player agency scene where the players were accused of murder, but the timeline didn't work out anyway. It, it was kind of ridiculous and clearly false, but we had to play through it, it seems, because it's part of the adventure, which annoyed some. Very cool. I would definitely listen to a play report going through some of the Witchfire stuff. And as evidenced by, I do listen to play reports. I, I want to say you've talked about Iron Kingdoms a bit on the Geomologist Presents, uh, though I will admit I'm behind on my listening, so eh, uh, take whatever I comment on with a grain of salt. I do remember the one the one fella that I mentioned playing with, he was going to run the original Witchfire. He said he'd run it before and he really liked XYZ, and then the, the game fell apart, sadly. Uh, I don't know if I pissed him off or he just found better friends, but yeah, he kind of just dropped off the face of the earth, and he was uh, court, or he was curt with me. When I just spotted him around campus, I was like, hey, what's going on? He's like, yeah, hey. But so, yeah, don't know what happened there. But wait, who knows? I can live vicariously through your uh, 5e people and pretend that the system is uh, something a little bit more my style. Thank you for calling in. Very cool setting. I love, uh, I love the Iron Kingdoms. So I don't know if you listened to Jason Connerly's. Nope, never. 
podcast or any recaps from the cyberpunk, but uh, Marcus Red survived. He did pretty well. I even got to tear someone's throat out with my vampire fangs. So, you know, breaking the cyberpunk verisimilitude. Apparently Jason, even though I gave praise for his game in like the two minutes I talked about it and I made a quip at the beginning, he of course is focusing on the quip where I say it breaks verisimilitude because we said it before 2020 or we said it in 2020, which already happened. So he was, I guess, upset by that. I don't know. It's weird sometimes. I can't tell if he's joking or not. Um, so yeah, now he's going to quit all my games. So I guess that means he's going to join playing your games. Yeah. To inject some verisimilitude, just have your character download the anchor implant and tell Jason you want to call in to the Nerds RPG variety cast of Cyberpunk 2020. Though, it is an alternate future, so, well, not future, it's alternate past, I guess. Got some Terminator logic going on in here. Doesn't matter. Just tell him you want to call in and, and drop, him a, drop him a message. Oh, but getting back to that alternate part. Hmm, it's probably not a podcast in cyberpunk world. It's probably a vidcast, like a, a holophoner cast where it's got the little Princess Leia-style Jason talking to you about his gaming, and then occasionally Maddie just kind of flops in through the hologram lens. I like this game already. But as it turns out, um, Marcus is pretty good, because I, there is one thing I did optimize, or I did pump up as much as I thought reasonable, and that was like each each archetype has a particular signature ability, and my signature ability is linked to initiative, so I pumped that up. And uh, also, Jason gave us a ridiculous amount of points to build our characters with, so we're superheroes in a way. And my initiative role is off the chart, so I usually get to go first. And that kind of helps in a game where you get the drop on someone, you can take them out. So. Um, yeah, it's a fun game anyway. Jason runs a good game, and no matter what he says or if he denies it, he does. And uh, it was uh, it was really fun. We have a good group of players, and it's an enjoyable game. And I might have to burn all my Shadowrun books and just play and buy Cyberpunk stuff now. Burn away, my buddy. Uh, though, per my previous commentary uh, to Jason's messages, it will not compel Satan to teach you how to magic. It's pretty cool to hear that you're enjoying the game. Uh, it's pretty cool that you got a lot of points to spend, got a lot of abilities to play with. And if either of you, he or you or anyone else playing in that game, get sick of playing with a good GM, you're always welcome at my table, which per my foray into actual plays, uh, can pretty much vouch for how mediocre I am. Thankfully though, I'm really good at answering call-ins. So, Thank you very much for your calls. Thank you for your insight. And thank you for your stories. Very fun to hear. Well, we've come to the end of this particular episode, but I want to finalize the deal by saying thank you. Thank you very much, Jason, Carl, for calling in. Uh, there will be links to their respective podcasts in the show notes. And I want to say thank you also to Randy and Joe over at Biggest Geekus for having me on. And thank you, Randy, for shipping the little prize down my way. I wasn't expecting a happy little note. That, uh, that brought a little bit of a D20-shaped tear to my eye. 
Anyway, I appreciate you very much, and congratulations. Uh, as of when I am recording this, Biggest Geek has just passed the 100 subscriber milestone. So if you haven't already, you have between now and when they do their next live stream, which I think actually is going to happen about the same day that I publish this, so eh, tough luck. But you have until then to get in on their next drawing. In any case, on a final note, thank you listeners for tuning in and lending me these 20 minutes or so of your day. Have a beautiful rest of your week, and don't forget, in the off time, to delve on. Wearing Mail podcast is adapted from Pursuing Darkness by artist X Take Rux, released into the public domain and made available on freemusicarchive.org. Sound effects used in the making of this product retrieved from Mixkit.co, used under the Mixkit sound effects free license, or from SoundJ.com and used in accordance with the SoundJ.com terms of use. Segments recorded within a vehicle are recorded using a Bluetooth hands-free device in conjunction with local vehicular safety legislation. The Clearest Wearing Mail podcast is an independently owned and operated product released for educational and informative purposes under the Totally Steal This license, which is kind of like Creative Commons, except for licensing. Clearest Wearing Mail does not ascribe to nor endorse views or opinions expressed by call guests or even the host unless you think they're awesome, and thus does not assume any liability regarding the consumption or distribution of this podcast. By listening to the Clearest Wearing Mail podcast, you agree to the provided term. Parties with questions regarding these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to reach out to Clearest Wearing Mail at the prescribed methods provided on the Clearest Wearing Mail blog. Parties dissatisfied with these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to go suck an egg.